It's time to listen to a teaching of the Vivify Ministries. It is our joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. Alright, here we go. Alright, so it's a new month and we're going into a new teaching series. Last month we had a teaching series dimensions. What a series that was so beautiful like we got to learn how the relationship we have with god that god has with us the ones we have with other people our friends our families and we actually learned to be better in our relationships we did we were instructed and i hope you have been following these instructions and today we are going into a brand new teaching series praise god and the title of our teaching series is consecration repeat after me consecration consecration <laughs> all right praise god so yeah so the first thing i want us to do is go back some thousands of years ago to the jewish worship praise god so we would read in our bible of how these people had a tabernacle or a tent of meeting when they while they were walking through the wilderness and modern day they have like they have temples yes in jewish in in israel and in people that practice um that practice jew being jews or jewish jewish worship praise god so they had a practice which you would consider weird just imagine yourself 21st century baby 2000 baby and you went back to that time and you saw someone carrying blood of the blood of lamb. So they just went, they killed the lamb. Yeah. I don't know how many of you have killed any animal before. <laughs> Praise God. I haven't, thankfully. But I've seen people do it. Okay. So they would just kill a lamb. They would get the blood. And then they would start to sprinkle the blood on items, sometimes on people. And if you were... If this is something that is new to you, you have never seen it before, you wonder what's going on. It is African magic, nee. Praise God. But they would tell you that they were doing something called consecration. They were setting these things that were being sprinkled by blood, setting them apart from every other thing. So you see a bowl that you used at home, but then you go to the temple and you see the same bowl. It looks the same. It's even the same color. And then they're like, don't go close to this bowl. Or don't even come around the perimeter of this. Because it was that serious. So read, read the Old Testament. There were some items that belonged to the temple that nobody, just anybody could not touch. Even if you were of the lineage of Levi and you were a priest. There were certain people that couldn't still touch it. It was that serious. Because these things had been consecrated for use. Praise God. Let's see an example from Leviticus 8 verse 30. Leviticus 8 verse 30. Somebody should help us share in the comments section. Alright. So, next, Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood that was on the altar. And he sprinkled them on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and their garments. In this way, he made Aaron and his sons and their garments holy. Praise God. So what was the purpose of this thing? To make holy. And before you think that holiness is not time scarf. It's time scarf, I mean. And when and not when you're ring. <laughs> holiness simply means to be set apart. To be set apart. And so this was what Moses was doing when he sprinkled blood and used the anointing oil on the priests and on their garments and on the sons of the priests. So he was setting them apart. This form of consecration, this act of consecration was also used for priests and leaders. So they wanted to anoint a king or they wanted to anoint somebody to serve as the leader of the temple. And then they would use anointing oil on them. Also note that anointing oil is not olive oil. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> it's deeper than that. There are a lot of ingredients that make up anointing oil. Praise God. So they would use these things and then these people would now be regarded as set apart. And that is exactly what consecration means, to be set apart. The Greek word for consecration is hagiasmos. 
and it was a word that could mean consecration. It was also a word that they that would use to describe sanctification. As far as you were setting something aside, making it holy, ordaining it for divine use, then you are consecrating it. And there was usually no consecration without sacrifice. It was always that they sprinkled blood, and it was always that they had to kill a lamb. And now it comes to us as new covenant believers. Beyond all the lambs slaughtering and all those things that were done, which were a little bit weird, but they had a purpose. They were a prototype for something to come, for a methodology by which we're going to be consecrated to God, where the blood of lambs signified the blood of Jesus and the oil that was used to anoint for, for special assignments and service. It signifies the Holy Spirit. Praise God. So yes, this, the principle is the same. We are setting it apart. But it's a different methodology. So the same way consecration was done to signify that a teen or a person belongs to God is the same way that we have been consecrated by the blood of the Lamb and by the infilling of the Holy Spirit set apart from dead works that pertain to the flesh and we have been set apart for God. We have been set apart from the contamination that is the world, from the death that is the world, and we have been set apart for God. Praise God. I'll quickly read Ephesians 1 verse 7 and Hebrews 10 verse 19 so that we have a big picture of what this means as New Covenant believers. Praise God. So in Ephesians 1 verse 7, Scripture says, He's so rich. I'm, read, I'm, reading, I'm so sorry that I'm switching between NLT and NKJV. So... Please bear with me. So, NLT, Ephesians 1 verse 7, it says, He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Praise God. He set us apart from sins, from, from slavery with the blood of his son. And Hebrews 10 verse 19, and it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place, because of the blood of Jesus. So what, what, like, what does that mean? It means that we have been consecrated because of the blood of Jesus. If the priests and all these people were being consecrated so that they could come both closer to things that pertain to God. They could come into the holies of holies. And in the same way, the blood of Jesus has given us that right that, that we can now boldly come into heaven's most holy place. We have been consecrated by the blood of Jesus. Set apart. Remember what 1 Peter 2 verse 9 calls us. Let's quickly read it. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. This is just a preamble to what we have for today. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. Somebody can help us share. Okay. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, talking about, about us, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Hallelujah. We are not ordinary people. We are not. You have to know that. The opposite of consecration is normal, being normal, being ordinary. But that's not what scriptures call us. Since we are people who have been set apart, chosen, holy, peculiar, such beautiful words used to describe our place in Christ now because of the sacrifice, because of his blood. He has consecrated us. Beyond something that is temporal and ordinary, something like the blood of lambs, this lamb that is be anyhow on the road, the blood of lambs, oil, um, different things that we added to make the anointing oil then, those things you could plant it, you could grow them. We have been consecrated by something more eternal, the blood of the Son of God. We have been consecrated by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so, just like for every reality we have in Christ, we have received it positionally. But there is a call that we have on our life to consecrate ourselves. So, we have been consecrated. Hallelujah. 
But there is a call upon us to consecrate ourselves. Just like you have been made holy because of Christ. You have been made righteous. But yet there is a call on your life to live holy. And to live as righteous. Showing forth your true nature. So if you truly have been consecrated, then you would consecrate yourself to God. If you truly have received life, such life from God, you would will now be able to give that life that you have received back to God, who is actually the owner. Hallelujah. Praise God. So that's why we are taking this teaching series. This teaching series is one that is supposed to bring us to a place of surrender where we truly realize that our lives are not ours. That we do not own ourselves. It is a simple truth, but it's very profound. When you say, take my life, when you, see, when you are able to stand and say, God, take my life, it might look like something easy, something simple. I don't know, take my life. No, that's not it. Take my life from a place where you understand that this thing I've received in Christ, this life that I've received is not actually mine. I, I, sh I ought to give it to him. It's from a place of sacrifice, knowing what it will entail, that you are not like others. You are not ordinary. Praise God that you are set apart. So are you going to take this call? To take God's call on your life. That call to be live consecrated. Are you going to take it seriously? And by the grace of God, by the end of this teaching series. Ah, we will be people who would know how it is. When they say somebody is sold out to God. We'll be able to, we understand. Because that's going to be our life. When they see that someone is living in total reliance on God. It's going to be our lives. And I, and I hope that that is your prayer tonight. And I hope that that is your prayer as we dig right into this teaching series. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. All right. So firstly, <laughs> this is so weird. After how many minutes? We're now going to firstly help God help us. Okay. So let's open our Bibles to the anchor scripture for this series. 2 Corinthians 15 verse 15 to 16 2 Corinthians 15 verse 15 to 16 praise God I want us all to be there I want you to be there I want you to highlight it in your Bible are you there I'm not asking you if somebody has posted it though are you there open your Bibles let's read through praise God okay I'm going to read 15 to 17 sorry okay and that he died for all Let's start again. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Praise God. What a profound scripture. Verse 16. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more verse 17 everybody knows this one therefore if any man be in christ he is a new creature all things are passed away behold all things are become new praise god hallelujah so what does this scripture mean for us it says that because christ died for you they that are now living should not let's take note of the verb that was used there should not should not henceforth live unto themselves and you know when you say should you'll be like if this thing has happened then you shouldn't be doing this now or you are you are saying it as a consequence of something previously and that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto him which died for them and rose again. And then verse 17 makes more sense now because it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. So they that, those people that used to live before, that used to live 
according to their own plans and according to their own this anything they wanted to do they were start doing it going about their own lives without consideration to god they are now new creatures all things are passed away. Those old things include your desire to micromanage your life, to plan everything out, do it how you want. Anything you want, it goes. All those things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And what is this newness? Is that henceforth we live not unto ourselves, but unto him which died for us and rose again. Praise God. If you have truly participated in the death of Christ, if you have truly believed that by faith, when you believe in his death, you died, and that by faith, when you believe in his resurrection, you too came to life. This life you came to, it's a life to be lived for God. It becomes a life that should be lived for God. It should be very, 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 very weird if it doesn't happen that way. Because there's a clause that was used there, should. Should. I want you to say it. I want you to say verse 15 over yourself. And you're going to put your name. And you're going to say, and that he died for mercy. That, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. But unto him which died for mercy and rose again. So that mercy would no, would no longer henceforth live unto herself. But unto him who died and rose again. Hallelujah. Praise God. I hope you are learning something today. Praise God. Alright, so we are going to move forward now. And we are going to be looking at something called the seas of consecration. The seas of consecration. Sea, not river. Sea as the alphabet, not school. A, B, C. That's the sea that we're talking about. Praise God. And the first thing is call. The first C is call. The first C is call. Hallelujah. So there's a call of God upon our lives. Upon the life of everyone who Christ has died for. And you have to understand that this call flows from a place of understanding <laughs> of the love of Christ and of the sacrifice of Christ. And we already expounded on this before. How by the blood of Christ we can boldly enter into the holy place, the most holy place, without fear. That a sacrifice was made for us. And to emphasize this, until you realize the extent of the sacrifice, let's open our Bibles to Philippians 2, verse 6 to 8. Philippians 2, verse 6 to 8. This is a Bible study, so please pardon the fact that we're reading a lot of scriptures. Philippians 2, verse 6 to 8. Praise God. Alright. Hmm. ESV. <laughs> Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Pause and think. But made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross and i love the way paul wrote this he he like there was a flow you have to understand that he he was equal with god he was god yet he made himself nothing took on the form of a servant born without just being born in the likeness of men was enough humiliation he was found in human form still he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death and not just any kind of death they would have shot him it would have been nice it would have even, would have even been a good movie scene you would just be like ah they were coming to shoot all of us destroy all of us and then they just just now came and was now like a stride against all of us and then the, the bullet entered him and I was like oh it would have been a really nice movie scene but not just that any death but the death on a cross that was the worst form of death the worst form of humiliation of that time and he subjected himself to it 
a great sacrifice has been made for us guys such great sacrifice and it calls for a response and that response is in consecration it's in consecration that we would consider the love of christ so immersed so beautiful that we'll be able to say take our lives we give it to you. You actually gave yourself for us. It's so now it only makes sense that we give you our lives. There's a call upon us. But that call should flow. We should, we should yield to that call after understanding the depth of Christ's sacrifice for us. That we have been bought with a price. We are God's people. We are God's own. He possesses us. You have to understand that you were sold out to the devil. Sold to, to, to death and sin. And Christ had to pay a price to purchase you from the hands of the enemy. You are bought with a price. And if you think I'm just saying that because it sounds nice, let's go into scriptures. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 to 20. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 to 20. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 to 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Hallelujah. You are bought with a price. So it only makes sense that you glorify God with this body. Praise God. With this life that he has given to you. And let's look over 1 Peter 1 verse 18 to 19. Very beautiful scripture. 1 Peter 1 18 to 19. I hope you are following I hope you are learning something. Praise God. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spots. Hallelujah. It's you that they are talking about, O oh dear believer. That you were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. Glory to God. And I want you to shout this out loud. That I am no longer my own. I am bought by the one who not only created me, but gave himself for me. I am no longer my own. I want you to shout it. Even though your neighbor might think you are crazy, shout it. I am no longer my own. I am bought by the one who not only created me. But gave himself for me. I'm bought with precious blood. Bought with precious blood. Hallelujah. I am bought with precious blood. So the call starts to make sense when you see it from this angle. That God is not just calling you to take to give your life. So he, has he, has, he has never given you anything. He's not coming to ask you that you should give your life. You know, that kind, you know that type of thing where somebody that has not been a friend, not even about giving you things, has not even been close, and then they are coming to tell you, ah, give me this thing, or give me this something that is very important. That's not God. That's not the kind of, that's not the position from which God is meeting you. He has already given you everything. Precious blood was used to purchase you. And so when he says that there is a call that you consecrate yourself to him, he's not saying it because he knows what it means. He knows how it feels. He gave it for you first. And, and you must believe that the sacrifice that God paid on the cross was what, what much more than anything that we're able to give in return on earth. Praise God. It was what more than now we have life. Praise God, there is a call on our lives. You are no longer your own. No, you are not. Glorify God with this life that has been handed over to you. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm so sorry that the, the, this teaching is causing you to ponder much more than... <laughs> it might not be the most easy teaching to take. Because God is going to be doing a lot behind the scenes even as we're listening to the sermon he's going to be doing a lot and as i prepared for this teaching 
God said something. I'm going to read it. And he said that he's going to have free course in places that have once been limited. And I believe he has begun that work already. He has begun it already. Praise God. So, haha. <laughs> Alright, so the second point, the second C, is cost. Cost. The cost of consecration is sacrifice. It's sacrifice. It's sacrifice. It's not an easy walk to live totally surrendered to God. Totally subject to his desires and his passion and his will. It's not a walk in the park. Consecration entails sacrifice. It's not even popular to see somebody that is so separated, that is so discernible, that this person, he's not really concerned about his life. What he's concerned about is God and his cause. Praise God. I'm sorry. And we're going to look at an example from the scripture. And we're going to be looking at the life of Paul. Paul, our bestie, our best guy. I like Paul so much. I didn't used to like him before, as we all know. <laughs> but glory to God, I came into the light. Praise God, Paul. Just imagine if Paul was like <laughs> in this generation and he had a Twitter account. Maybe his, his handle would be Pharisee of Pharisees. And then he always, anytime he writes something, he'll just put hashtag grace and peace because he was always saying grace and peace. <laughs> Or they'll be like, thanks, make up Paul. Or when he wants to drop all those his punch, those lines that used to scatter and shatter tables, you'll be like, if anybody, he'll just go and tweet, if anybody preach to you a gospel other than the one that you have received, let him be cursed. Anathema. Everybody now start replying that, what do you mean? You know how Twitter community used to do now? So just, <laughs> sorry, that aside, but just imagine Paul in this time. He said so many powerful truths. They, were, they might have not been popular, but they were true from such revelation. And it's only right that we go to his life to see an example in consecration. Because if there's one thing that we can say about the life of Paul, is that he was consecrated. Praise God. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians 11, verse 21 to 33. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 21 to 33. Okay, let's go to my I hope you can hear me. So sorry. I'm going to my app. Okay, I'm going to start. <clears throat> I think this is NLT. Yeah, it's NLT. I'm ashamed to say that we've been too weak to do that. But whatever they dare to boast about, I'm talking like a fool again. I dare to boast about it too. And let's let's look at Paul's CV. <laughs> Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder. Praise God. What a confidence to say something like this. <laughs> been put in prison more often. Has any of you ever been put in prison? It's not even a nice experience. I don't know how it looks, but from African magic, we know. It's not a nice experience. Been whipped times without number. And faced death again and again. Paul. Somebody following the call of God. Going about missionary work from place to place, you would think that the call of God will be so, ah, it's be nice, flowers, whenever you go to a place, they'll do, um, what this called, honorarium for you, they'll do drum, you just, when you go to Igbo land, they'll now start dancing for you, and they'll welcome you, like, ah, our pastor, and all these things. This was not Paul's story. Glory to God, that happens now for a lot of ministers of God. Praise God. Being whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Death. Five different times. The Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. This is NLT. Um, KJV will say 40 strokes, save one. 
five times 39, 195 lashes. Jewish leaders, his own people. People that I'm sure he was even highly placed in society more than. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. So if you're wondering where Titanic got that idea from. Paul. <laughs> three times he was shipwrecked. Like they, Someone said that being shipwrecked is like comparing to a plane crash of today once he spent a whole day and and a whole night and a day floating in the river jack and rose how many days did they do somebody shall died i have traveled on many long journeys i have faced danger from rivers and from robbers i have faced danger from my own people the jews as well as from the gentiles i have faced danger in the cities in the desert and on the seas I have faced danger for men who claim to be believers, but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my feeling? Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows I am not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor under King Aretas kept guards at the city gates to catch me. I had to be lowered in a basket through a window in the city wall to escape from him. It's not African magic. It is Paul's life. This is it. If there's, if you, from these stories, you would wonder why, maybe if it were to be some of us, we how we like comfort. After the first 39 strokes, I'm not doing it again. The Lord bless all of you. The, the, the people that have preached to take over from where if, if everybody have preached to take these 39 nine strokes now, it will save me something. But this man's he was devoted to the service of God. He forsook everything. He did not care about his body. He did not care about his comfort. He did not care about the reputation, the accolades that he had gathered in the Jewish circle before he was saved. He did not care about his will. This is a man that was clearly sold out to God. A man that was clearly sold out to God. The testimony of Paul's life, he would say, I labored more abundantly. If it was time to speak in tongues, I speak in tongues more than ye all. This man did not think about himself. He was sold out to the cause of God. He completely handed over his life for the use and the glory of God. He was willing to even lose his life. What is his life? He even lost it many times. He lived so purposefully. Even his will, even in ministry, he was still living sold out to God. So much so that there was a prophecy in Acts 21 verse 11 to 14. That, oh, don't go to Jerusalem. They're going to bind your hands and tie you and throw you to the, to the leaders. And they're going to do whatever it is they like with you. Yet, as far as God was the one leading him there, he was ready to go. In clear danger. Praise God. This was a man sold out to God. That even while going about preaching the gospel, whenever God said, oh, don't go to this place. Uh-uh. You know some of us. It's not the gospel I'm preaching. Why we say I should not go dead? I don't know people dead that need to be saved. But his will was completely surrendered to that of God. This was Paul's life. A life of continuous sacrifice. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Merci. Praise God. So Philippians 2. Let's open our Bibles to Philippians 2. Um, I forgot to write the exact <laughs> chapter. Is it Philippians 2? 
I'm so sorry. Okay, let's read from verse Philippians 1 from verse 20. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but I, that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. See somebody's life. For to me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Praise God. To live is Christ. To die is gain anything. As his life was for Christ, his death would still be for Christ. This was Paul's life. This was how he viewed himself. He was totally consecrated. So the cost of consecration would mean relinquishing the control of your life completely. It would mean bringing your plans under so that God would be magnified. It means that you can no longer micromanage your life. Oh, I, this is what I want to do at this age. I'm going to do this and that and that. Oh, it's good to have goals and dreams. But if God says, oh, this is what I would rather have you do. Are you ready to say, oh, you're the one that owns this life. Oh, yeah, take it. Praise God. But at the very root of sacrifice is something I would call treasure. What do you treasure? Is God really the most important thing what do you treasure do you think that god is worthy to give your life to him completely to hand it over and say anything you will have it what do you treasure what are the things that are holding you back what are the things that are stopping you from living consecrated is there anything that is so important that god cannot touch so that his will and his purpose for you would be manifested. What do you treasure? What do you treasure? Do you treasure God? Do you treasure his purpose on earth? Would you rather that he does his work in your life and make of you what he desires? Or would you rather do your own thing? What do you treasure? What do you treasure? Because if you know that God is treasure, then when you find him, you would sell anything. When you find that pearl of greatest treasure, you will sell anything so that you can buy it and get it. What do you treasure? Praise God. Hallelujah. And you are wondering, oh, this cost and all the sacrifices I have to make. But you have to know that there is a reward for consecration. You're not sacrificing all these things for nothing. You're not sacrificing your will, your desires, your money, your time, your energy, your intellect. You're not sacrificing it for nothing. The first reward of being consecrated is God himself. When you forsake all and follow Jesus, the reward is Jesus. Do you realize that he's reward enough? That if you never get any other thing, if if you never if you are like Paul and the only like you just keep going from one but yet Paul was able to say whether I live whether I die it is for God he has already realized that the tr true tr reward is God and when you consecrate yourself to God the reward is God himself that you be satisfied just by the fact that the purposes of God are being fulfilled God rewards everything. God owes no man. And so there are actually rewards in heaven too. For every action, for every sacrifice, there's a reward in heaven. And you get to live a life that is fulfilled. Having done the master's purpose wholeheartedly. And another reward is that people will thank God for you. Thousands of lives glorifying God just because one person chose that I'm going to be sold out to the cause of God. You will touch lives when you live a life of consecration. We see Mary 
a little girl, a teenager. She had her life ahead of her. She wanted to get married, settle down, do all these things that Jewish girls do. And then God comes with his own plan and it looks like a disruption. But in Luke 1 verse 38, we see Mary saying, Let it be to me according to as what you have said. According to your word, let it be to me. She, she was like, let me just leave marriage. You know, Mary was not even sure that God was going to speak to Joseph so that Joseph would still marry her. There was, like normally, if she was pregnant outside of wedlock, she would have died. They would have stoned her. But she was like, for the purpose of God, I'm letting it go. The marriage, the reputation, everything that the purpose of God will be fulfilled. You know Mary would have said no, but she didn't. She was consecrated to the call of God. Consecration is rewarding, guys. It is. It is. It is rewarding. It is. It is rewarding. It is. And I just want you to pray in the language of the Spirit for, for two minutes. For two minutes, as the word of God, it does something in your heart. Self goes. As the purpose of God, it takes center stage. God, do with us what you want. Do with us what you want. Daddy, do in us what you want. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're not done. So we're going into the last C of consecration. And the last C is cultivate. Praise God. Cultivate. And cultivation speaks about allowing something to grow. And so it is the fact that we can grow in consecration. But it takes intentionality. We can grow in consecration. So how do we grow in consecration? The first point, let's be fast. Be sold out in devotion. Be sold out in devotion. Prayer, studying scriptures, fasting, evangelism. Be sold out in devotion. Because the man that is consistent in devotion will grow in consecration. It only follows that we consistency in devotion would come a growth in consecration where constantly you are devoting yourself to the purpose and the plans of God. It is in prayer that we will be able to build intimacy and trust. So when you are consecrating yourself to God, you are basically saying, I'm going to the back seat. Jesus, oh yeah, sit down, take the wheel. And if you have not prayed, if you have not known the God that you are giving yourself to, it will be difficult. If you have not understood that he can be trusted, it will be difficult. So if you want to grow in consecration, grow in devotion. Grow in devotion. Because it is as you stay that you understand that God can be trusted with your life. There's something so beautiful that people say, and I really love it. The fact that the safest place to be is in God's plan. But it's not something that will just come to you naturally. You learn it. That the safest place to be is in God's plan. It comes by staying in prayer. It comes by staying, studying. It comes by staying with God. Not just a structural relationship where it's just, oh, religion, let me shall pray today. No. Where you come to God and He reveals His heart to you as you bear your own heart before Him. Be consistent in devotion. How will you know God's will for your life if you don't pray? How will you be able to dedicate your life to service of God if you do not pray, if you don't make efforts to give yourself in devotion? How do you know when you are not following the path, when you are not even praying? This is how we build consciousness and sensitivity to the will of God. You see that when you grow in devotion, the things of the earth will start to lose their glamour. It, it does. You're no longer as concerned. If they like, they should change the fashion. If they like, everybody should be making this money. If they like, you, the things of earth will grow dim in the light of God's beauty and grace. A beautiful hymn I, that I like to sing. Turn, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full on his beautiful face. 
and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his beauty and grace. Guys, let's be consistent in devotion. If we are going to truly go in consecration, we cannot leave our devotional life to, to chance. Be conscious of it. Set out time to pray. Set out time to study, to fast, to go out preaching the gospel. You have to do this. Be sold out in devotion. Praise God. And the second way to go in consecration, know your priorities and align them with God's. Know your priorities. I really hope you can still hear me. And align them with God's. We did priority check last year. Praise God. And it was beautiful because we were able to fish out idols in our lives. Those things that would take the place of God. Those things that are taking center stage when they should just be as one corner. Know your priorities and align them with God. Is God your priorities? Track it down. What is most important to you? Like I said, when we we're talking about sacrifice, treasure. What do you treasure? What do you treasure? And after this teaching, I want you to write five things and five people. Sorry. That are most important to you. Five things and five people. Don't just give vague answers like my career. No, like making money. Write it there. You know that your career is still for making money. You know. Write it there. Praise God. How attached are you to these things? If God ever says, oh, give this, sacrifice this, how ready are you to sacrifice it? It could be your family. It could be your relationship. That degree, I spent five years and I did master's two years and you're then telling me that I should leave this field and go and do mission work. And God, you said, consider it. Is it your career? Is it even your ministry? That no matter the level that it has gone, your work for God has gone. And he says, oh, drop this and do this thing. Give it to this person to handle. And do this other thing. You are ready to say, ah, oh, God. Even if he says, shut it down. You are ready to say, God, it's, it is your desires above mine. Praise God. Keep track of what truly matters. And be consistent to recheck it. And the Holy Spirit is such a fantastic reminder of this. Like whenever you start to lose track of what really matters, it's how the Holy Spirit brings you back. This Holy Spirit guy, he doesn't have to leave us. <laughs> he doesn't have to leave us to do our own things. That is the truth. He's a regulator. And whenever you start to put things that are not important above what truly is important, he says, he speaks, he directs and leads and says, oh, you're, you're losing focus. It's time to bring your mind back. Praise God. Be conscious of who owns your life. Your moments, your days. Be conscious. What takes your time? You have to have a kingdom-mindedness and consciousness. That the earthly things will pass. They are temporal. But the things that pertain to God, they are eternal. They are. Praise God. And the third point, we're going to be rounding off now. Serve. Somebody say, serve. Be zealous for the work of God. Wholeheartedly serve God. Serve his people with gusto, excitement, enthusiasm. Serve in your local church, in the ministry he has given you, even in your friendships. Serve wholeheartedly and unreservedly. Serve God. This is, how, this is a way to go in consecration. That you are so concerned about the things that pertain to God, the work of God. That whenever he says, oh, yeah, now it's time to do this thing. It's, it's easier because you have committed your life to, to service of God. In Acts chapter 6, verse 5 to 6, we see Stephen, a man who served well in all capacities, just being a deacon. He was able to... Deacon. <laughs> he was able to serve... These deacons, what they did was serve food, make sure settle issues, make sure everybody was well fed. But in that little capacity, the Bible was able to say that this man, Stephen, was filled with the Holy Spirit. It was evident that people could write it about him. And so it doesn't even come as a surprise when Stephen willingly gives his life in sacrifice as a matter that the gospel would be preached. He, was, he served and he grew in consecration as he served. So please serve God wholeheartedly.
Praise God. And we're going to be rounding off with this scripture. Let's open our Bibles to Galatians 2 verse 20. Galatians 2 verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah! Praise God! I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Guys, there's a call on our lives where you can no longer serve yourself. You have been crucified, you are dead. And this new man, raised in the likeness of God, raised to life in God, cannot serve its own purposes. You cannot serve your own purposes. Completely surrender your will, your life, to the service of God. Come to God and you, and you are saying, as the title goes, take my life. Take my life. You're not holding back anything. Nothing should be so hidden or so important that God cannot touch. You are saying, take my life. Do not hold back. It's the best way to live. It's safe. God can be trusted with our lives. Who better to give our lives than the one that gave his for us? The sovereign God calls you to surrender. He calls you to yield. To give him the entirety of your being. He's calling you. He's calling me. That yes, life's pressures are a lot. And you want to do this and you want to do that. But are the purposes of God not more important? Are the purposes of God not more important? Would we not rather our life be used for the glorification of the kingdom of God? There's this song I love so much. And at the end of the song, Because of Christ, it says, Let it be said about my life that I lived more to build your name than mine. And that is God's call for us today. And if you take nothing from this teaching, I want you to understand that there is a call on your life. You can no longer serve yourself. You can no longer serve yourself. Praise God. There's this popular hymn that we sing. I don't know if you sing hymns. I love hymns. Like the the truth in hymns. Oh my God. Not all hymns, but in a lot of them, these people they had revelation. Trust me. You would be reading hymns like this, and you're like, ah. And I used to sing it when I was a child, though. But God reveals. Because you have grown, you are able to see the truths that were hidden in these hymns. And we're going to be reading the lyrics of one of these popular hymns. And I want you to be in I want you to be in a state where you are meditating on these things that I'm reading out to you. Don't just look or like you're not just looking, but you are saying this to your father. And as I say it, I want you to say it too. And we're going to be reading the hymn, and it goes, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in endless praise. My moments and my days. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing, always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine, it shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own, it shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour, at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever 
only all for thee. Repeat this last line. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. And I want you to turn this into a prayer. That I give you my life, Lord. Take it. Everything. Every part. I give it all. My dreams. My plans. My visions. My voice. My silver. My gold. Everything. My intellects. I give it all, Daddy. I give it all. My life. Every moment. Every day. My hands. My feet. My voice. My lips. Every part of me, God. It's dedicated to your service. Oh, Take my life, God. Take my life. I leave my self-serving ambitions and I follow the plan of God for me. I give myself wholeheartedly to him. That evidently people will look at me and they will see a life that is sold out to the cause of Christ. I hope you are praying. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. We give ourselves as a sacrifice to you, God. We surrender our purposes. We surrender our plans, our dreams. Oh, we surrender them to you, God. We surrender them to you, God. We surrender them to the one that loves us the most. We surrender them to one in whose arms they are safe. Oh, but take a real Jesus, we put all our eggs in your basket. Outside of you, we have no life. Outside of Jesus, we have no life. Everything, all that I am, my purposes. I submit to you. I surrender God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. And we're still praying. And we'll read Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6. And Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Praise God. And we're going to pray and we're saying, God, what would you have us do? God, what would you have us do? And in this time of prayer, I want you to come to God in humility. With, with no pride. Because it is humility for you to truly say, God, take my life. God, lead my life. God, direct my life. We leave all our self-ambitions and we ask God, that really, what would you have us do? What would you have us do? And there's a disposition of heart that makes the ear hear. If you come to God truly desirous to hear what he would have you do, trust me, God will tell you. And I want you to believe that as you pray, that you are receiving instructions, clear-cut instructions. This is the year of providence, and there is precision in this providence that you know what God will have you do. As we come consecrated, asking that God show us how do we serve your purpose? How do we do your work? How do we live for you? Show us. Sakare, Rika 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want you to rejoice and shout glory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you. Keep praying with it. And let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.